the Sitting Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everyone, this is Russell Cox. I am the editor of the Municipal Association of South Carolina's Uptown Publication, and I am joined today by Scott Slatton, the Association's Director of Advocacy and Communications, and Caitlin Cothern, the Association's Manager for Collections Programs. Scott, Caitlin, welcome. Thank you, Russell. It is, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and partnering up with a different partner this yeah. time rather <laughs> yes, than yes. Casey Fields. Yeah. Rather than Casey Fields, who, well. Just another C name, though. They all blend together. Yeah. Right? Another C name and another, uh, another boss who, another one who likes to boss around. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I actually do feel quite comfortable. We are talking again today about. Act 176, which comes up in these days, probably very nearly every podcast we do, but it it bears repeating, uh, beginning January 1st, 2022, this law, the uh, South Carolina Business License Tax Standardization Act, will require all of those cities, towns, and counties in South Carolina that have a business license tax to administer the tax in the same way standardizing their business licensing practices. Uh, There are several new requirements in the law and the specific rules and restrictions for the third-party collection companies are what we are going to be talking about in this episode. Scott, to, to begin with, could you tell us about how this part of it, the third-party collections companies, played out in the legislative work yeah. last year that led up to the passage of the law and I believe September 2020. Yeah, yeah. So really, Russell, the the usage by cities and towns of these third-party collection companies was a, a large part of why the business license tax came under attack. Um, just one of the reasons, but m- most recently... Uh, those third-party collection companies and the and the work that they did for cities and towns came under attack by a number of uh, business interests by the state chamber of commerce uh, by other business groups across the state. They they got focused. Those groups got focused on these third-party collection companies because the the collection companies were were proliferating ac- across the state. And businesses were hearing more and more from these companies on behalf of cities and towns um, in, in trying to ensure that, that every business was paying the business license tax according to the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's an equity issue in that every business uh, across the state that works in a city that has a business license tax is required to pay the tax. Um, but there are a lot of businesses, as we know and did know at the time, uh, that we're not paying the tax, and it's not fair for one to to have to pay and, and not others. So uh, these third-party collection companies uh, started doing business in South Carolina a number of years ago. Cities and towns uh, found them easy to use uh, because once you set them off on their mission, uh, then they were they were very effective. But but some of the tactics that some of the companies used uh, came under fire from these business groups and um this the 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 treatment of these third-party companies really became a huge point of contention in the debate last year uh when we were all working on this bill the the 
most of the business interests wanted to eliminate these companies entirely, uh, wanted to put them out of business, wanted to keep them from coming into South Carolina Mm -hmm. and providing services to cities and towns. Our position at the Municipal Association was, look, we want to, to preserve cities and towns' access to these businesses because they provide a very valuable service to cities well, and towns. And for a lot of our cities and towns, this is the only way that they have the ability to track down these delinquent business license taxes, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're so small, they don't yep. have the staff, they don't have people out there on the street knocking on doors and talking to people. This was their way to collect those taxes. It provides Absolutely. capacity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the points that we made during the legislative debate was, hey, you know, Caitlin, you're exactly right. Cities and towns need these these services uh, to to enhance their their uh, on staff resources. So, um, so once we got to the point where these businesses weren't going to be outlawed, banned from South Carolina, the the way they get paid uh, became a the next point of contention. The business interests, particularly the state chamber, didn't like the fact that these businesses, these third party collection companies, were being paid on a success basis or on the base they would keep a percentage or or be they would charge a percentage of what they collected in that new revenue or the the uncollected revenue yeah so most of the contracts i think is something like you pay us x amount up front and then we get x percentage off of every Rev- off of all revenue that we bring to the city. Yeah, Does that uh, make or, sense? Uh, yeah. The contingency basis is the company says, well, if we bring in ten thousand dollars in new revenue in the first year, we're going to keep half of it, and then over the course of the contract, then that amount would diminish until at the end of the contract, then the city's retaining yeah. the the whole the whole Wh- all of the new revenue that's coming in. Which I think goes back to the prior point of. If you have these cities that don't have the staff to track people down, they also don't have the money to pay a large sum up front. And so it's appealing to them that they're only having to pay you off of revenue they're receiving. Yeah, it's Mm. it's 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 not new. Well, it is new revenue to them, but it's unrealized revenue. It's uncollected revenue uh, that these that these businesses are finding. So um, we we continue to fight the business interests and then the third-party com- companies themselves hired lobbyists uh, to represent them as well. And keep in mind that the Municipal Association, we were not advocating on behalf of those third-party collection companies. That was not our our responsibility. It was not our duty. But we certainly, uh, as we I said earlier— We were just trying to save business license taxes. Yeah, well, yeah we wanted <laughs> to save business. But, but we also, again, as I said earlier, we wanted to, to keep the, the access to their services that cities and towns— had and and how they got paid was of uh, wasn't a, wasn't a lot of concern to to us uh, during the debate. So once that the the argument turned towards how those businesses were to get paid, which is we're going to talk about more here in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Once the argument turned towards that that, and uh, we were sort of out of that part of the discussion, it came down to. Um, senators uh, de- who were either defending the third-party companies uh, or the senators, because at this point the debate was in the Senate, or those senators who were uh, working against those third-party companies on, on behalf of the state chamber and others. So, um, and, and so that argument continued to go uh, down to, and almost derailed the, the whole bill. 
But ultimately, on the very last day of the legislative session uh, last September, which, uh, remember, uh, had the session had been in- interrupted by COVID, and the General Assembly came back in September for two weeks, I think. This was the last week, last day of the, of the second week. Um, this was the very last piece of business that the Senate and the House had to take up. And they held themselves on the floor in recess for about 45 minutes until around 7 o'clock on the last day of the session, waiting on a compromise to be worked out between the competing interests over these third-party collection companies. Right, because if it didn't get resolved then, we had to start it. It was dead. Right? Mm-hmm. The bill was going to be dead, which, you know, was was wouldn't have been a bad thing at that point because— Nothing would have changed with business licensing as we know, mm-hmm. as we knew it, uh, but for the fact that we were going to have to fight this fight all over again, and who knows if we were what the outcome might have been. And and I'll say I think the outcome ultimately was good for cities and good for businesses. So, um, but anyway, they they worked it out. They came back, and then um, re- really without even presenting what the compromise was, the House and the Senate voted up or down on the bill and it got passed at about seven o'clock on the very last day of the session but it was this these third-party collection companies and the 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 ire that they raised among some of the business interests and then cities and towns and and some senators defense of them still doing business in the city in their cities in south carolina we tell this story to illustrate how sensitive this was and and could still be in in how cities and towns use these third-party collection companies. However, the law, uh, as we're going to talk about now, I think, the law is very clear on what they can and cannot do and how they get paid. Uh, And that was the result of a lot of compromise and a lot of debate and a lot of input from us, from the business, and from the third-party companies. Yeah, and because it was so contentious, like Scott said, it's very, very important that you understand moving forward what's changing mm-hmm. for your city and what's changing in regards to your relationship with these 30-party collectors. Yep. So the, the new rules address the agreement that has to exist between the municipality and the companies and also like the, the initial contact and what kind of with between the company and the business and what can happen after that. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear what yeah. you say, Scott. So basically it has what we're referring to now as the three C's. There's a contract, there's initial contact, and then there's a contingency. So Scott, if you want to talk about the contract first. Yeah, so before any of these third-party companies can start work for a city or town, they have to have a written contract between the company and the city. And of course, you know, any company that's going to do business with a city or town ought to have some sort of a written agreement in place. But this, the, but Act 176 specifies and, and makes it clear that the, the company has to have that contract in place before it begins work uh, on behalf of the city or their town or the county. 
And does it say anything, remind me, about the, the contract specifically has to outline how they're going to be paid and all of that stuff? Does it say any of those things? No, the, the, the statute doesn't talk about that. Okay. Uh, it just says you got you got to have a contract in place. Okay. So, uh, and of course, but obviously, you know, the, the contract is going to have lots of different elements in it that would outline what the company is going to do for the city, what uh, how they're going to get paid, and of course, how they can get paid. We'll talk about in just a minute uh, under the, the, the third C continuum. Agency. And, and of course, obviously, we always tell cities and towns that uh, have your municipal attorney look at these contracts, make sure that they are uh, that, that, that the council's in agree- agreement with it. And then, of course, the council has to uh, has to should uh, put its eyes on it and have uh, some approval authority on that contract before they start work. And additionally, now they need to make sure it's compliant with Act 176. Right? In the terms language of the, in there, yes, for third parties. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, we we don't want to run afoul of the statute, uh, particularly when it comes to how cities and towns manage these third party companies. Again, because of the the uh, sensitivity, yeah, the, <laughs> the sensitivity and the contentiousness. Uh, another C for you. Yeah, yeah. That these that these businesses have brought into this debate, but I will, uh, you know, since the bill passed and, and this part of the act went into effect, uh, immediately upon the governor's signature last September. So the standardization pieces in act 176 that we're all working on right now doesn't, isn't effective until January the 1st of next year. But this, this language dealing with the third party, uh, third party collection companies went into effect immediately upon the governor's signature last September. So uh, if you're going to engage with one of these companies, then you have to comply with uh, one, the language in Act 176 uh, in how you treat these. And additionally, I would say if you were already using them and you already had a contract, it needs to be updated and yeah. con- and conversations Def- need to be had about what they can and cannot do now. Definitely need to review that, that if you had that existing contract to make sure that it's compliant with 176 now for sure. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, so talking about the contact, which is the second C, I know that I heard from a lot of businesses where there was some confusion about these third parties were contacting them and then telling them, send me your payment, send me your business license application. And that's, you know, businesses weren't happy with that. So I think the yeah. initial contact now we're saying needs to be the company can notify the businesses of the tax due and that they need to pay it. They're allowed to send them the application. Yep. Um, and any relevant contact information for people, mm-hmm. but that is, they don't need to be telling them, hey, send your information to us. Everything needs to go directly to the city. That's right. Yeah. The, the third-party collection companies cannot uh, receive monies, can't receive the applications from the businesses after they've notified them. All of that, uh, all of that has to go directly to the city, uh, but the, the, companies can continue to contact those delinquent businesses or those they're delinquent at that point but they can they can continue to to contact those delinquent businesses to remind them hey you owe business license tax and you need to reach out to your city or town until and or unless the business that's being contacted tells the either the third party collection company or the city hey, don't contact me again. Don't have this third party 
collection company contact me again. Yes, and it specifically says in writing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so if Caitlin is the third party collection company and Why do I gotta be the third party in this well, scenario? I mean it's a part of it's a part of business. <laughs> and 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 uh, Russell Cox Production LLC is being contacted by Caitlin Catherine uh, Collection Company. <laughs> If that's, Russ, that's four C's in case you're yeah, wondering. That's a lot of C's. Uh, I love alliteration. If if Russell then writes a letter to either Caitlin Cothran LLC, Collection Company LLC, or the city and city says of Scott Slatton. Yeah, and and says, Don't I don't want to be contacted again by this company, then Caitlin Cothran Collection Company can't contact Russell again. Only the city at that point is allowed to contact Russell Production to say, hey, you owe us a business license tax. Yes, and I would say going both ways, if you get the letter from the business as the city, you need to make it very clear to this third-party company that you're using that you received that information in writing Mm -hmm. and that they are not allowed to contact them anymore. And vice versa, I mean, if it's the third-party company that gets it, Mm -hmm. you need to have a relationship to where they're notifying you that they got it and they're being compliant because, like Scott said, it's... We don't want to go down this road again. Yeah, yeah, we don't. And, and you know, that's a, a, a point you're making there, Caitlin, is a good one in that if a city is engaged with these third-party collection companies, the city really needs to exert some some good oversight over what they're doing. And, I and you know, by way of our, our interaction with the cities and with these third-party companies over the years, uh, we understand that uh, the, the companies, I think, try to, to, to do as good a job as they can to tell the cities, hey, the, the, here, here the list, here's the list of businesses that we've identified that have not paid their business license tax. And so um, the cities have that information in front of them on the front end before that third-party collection company goes makes that initial contact. Uh, and so the cities really need to pay attention to that and – uh, keep that good oversight and that good line of communication with that company uh, because, you know, I, I don't know that there are any of the companies out there, third-party collection companies right now, that would go kind of out on their own uh, without the city's blessing on a list of, of delinquent yeah. businesses. But they could. Some of them can get a little a little zealous, uh, and, and that's part of what brought us to brought us to where we are today. But maintain that good relationship as yeah. as the city and uh, and open communication and transparency. I mean, I think yes. we've always said transparency in these relationships is important, but we're saying now it's even more so important. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So what's the third C? Yeah, that takes us to contingency contingency, contingency fee basis. So prior to Act One Seventy Six, as we talked about just a minute ago. These comp- these third-party collection companies were paid on a success basis or on a contingency fee basis so that they retained or were paid a portion of the, the, the tax that they were responsible for collecting, okay? Act 176 says that can only happen after a particular circumstance. So what they can do now on the front end is go out and identify these delinquent businesses. They can make contact with the delinquent businesses and they can continue those follow-ups with those businesses. Now, what they cannot do 
is charge the city or the town for doing this initial research on a contingency basis. They have to be paid in some other way. They can charge a flat fee or something like that, but they can't charge on a contingency basis, on a success basis, for the research that they do on that front end. Right. If a city then, if a city, after getting this information, issues an assessment to those businesses because the business either didn't come in and pay uh-huh. or um, ignored, then under the business license ordinance, uh, what a city would do is say, okay, we're going to send, we're going to assess that business for this business, like this delinquent business license tax. And basically what that is, is that the, the city prepares a bill um, that they send to that business based on their their history, right? Right, which should be standard practice. Pretty, I think. pretty standard practice prior to and, and should be now after Act 176 because that was in the model ordinance. So um, if Russell Communication, Russell Production, LLC, is, is, isn't paying their business license tax, he's been notified and still doesn't pay, then the city can send him a bill for $100, for a business license tax based on what he's paid over time. Yeah, yeah. Based on it history. might be like prior three years right, average or right, something right. like that. So if Russell then still refuses and doesn't appeal that assessment, which is there's an appeals procedure that's now in the law, a standard appeals procedure, then and then the third-party collector collection company helps collect that he ultimately pays then they can retain a portion of that money right but not until they can't be paid on a success or a contingency basis unless or until the city issues an assessment um and then the the you know and he doesn't appeal it and but if he ultimately ends up paying it then they can be paid on that um this is where it can get I, I will I will tell you that the the collection companies some of them have uh, a, a particular interpretation of this part of the statute. Uh, the attorney general has a has a an opinion, uh, an opinion that he issued uh, actually prior to or right after right after October we, of twenty twenty yeah right after yeah, right the law after went into was, effect. Yeah. Um, we as as at the municipal association are not necessarily rendering an opinion on that. We would re- we would you know suggest that you turn to your municipal attorney uh, to help you interpret how that part of the statute is supposed to work and and let him or her advise you uh, on uh, the appropriateness of a particular charge that these third party collection companies are going to make to the city or town. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah. So, um. I think that the third-party companies, and they've communicated with us, their attorneys have, have shared with us a, a brief that they put together uh, just for our information. It's not something that we are, uh, we're not sharing that. We're not relying upon that to issue. In fact, we're not issuing opinions uh, on on how and when they should get paid in a particular way. We're, we'll let, uh, let, let your municipal attorney and, uh, and whatever company you contract with, if you contract with one, uh, figure out what uh, the the uh, the interpretation of the law is. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. It's kind of a cop out, but 
That's really where we are at this point. I know, but I mean, you say that, but I think it really is. That is one section that's not entirely clear cut. And so they, they need to make their own decision. And so, and so like with a lot of legislation, uh, it is as, as, as often as said at the general assembly, it was inartfully written and, that's no fault of the the authors of the bill and the staff people who are putting this thing together. It is a result of a very hurried and uh, helter-skelter into the session last year and end, end to this bill. Well, so, and I mean, when you have so many parties with their hands on one bill, too, it's... Yeah, so, so part of part of the... One of the aspects of the sausage being made at the General Assembly is uh, a legislator says, well, we want to accomplish X, and then staff brings out some draft language, and you have about three minutes to look at that and say yes, no, or offer suggestions before they take it back into the chamber and... Uh, and try and figure out what they're going to do with it. So that this part, this particular part of the bill, I think, was a is a result of that that sort of harried process. Well, and you, like you said too, this section was the very last minute down to the wire. So yeah, even more so. Yeah, and and we were not at that point um, involved in those discussions purposefully because, uh, as I said earlier. We wanted to maintain access. It was of no consequence to us as to how those third parties were going to get paid. Yeah. So. so we've talked about the three C's, the contract, contact, and contingency. We're going to move on to the next piece of alliteration, which is the seven standardization steps. Caitlin, we've talked about that on the podcast before. You were... You helped a lot in the development of those. The standardization part is the part that applies January 1st, 2022. Can you talk about talk about that? You know, all these cities are like, why do I have to go through these seven things? Don't tell them it was my idea. Okay. <laughs> part, partly your idea. <laughs> I, I know. I just tried to break it down into like piecemeal sections, right? To make mm. it easy to... Bite size. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. The, the requirements were all in the law, but yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So ma- I made it easier, right? Um, so I know we keep saying this and y'all are tired of hearing it and you're going to hear it until the end of 2021. And then maybe after that, for some of you who still haven't been compliant, but you have got to go to our standardization page on our website, which is www.masc.sc and look at those steps and make sure that you are being compliant. If you're out there and you're saying, Oh, we're compliant. There's nothing we need to do. You're wrong. You have to, there is at least something you're going to have to do. Scott, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to compliment you on your enunciation of www.masc.sc. Yes, Russell has uh, practiced me up, I guess. Um, So there's seven steps out there. The hardest part, in my opinion, of complying with this is getting your data together, cleaning it up, making sure you have the correct NAICS codes, and then the rebalancing process, which basically Act 176 says... Whatever you collected in 2020 business license revenue has to be revenue neutral to what you're going to collect in the first year of implementation, which is 2022. So there's a year in there, which is this year, that we do not care about. We're looking at 2020 revenue and how it looks compared to 2022 revenue. Every single person 
every single city that has a business license ordinance, a local license, has a contact person here at the association. And if you go to the standardization page on the website, and I'll say it again, www.masc.sc, and you type in standardization or business licenses, the standardization page will show up in the search. In the search, And on the left-hand side of that page is your, I think we're calling them liaison, right, Russell? Yes, a standardization liaisons. liaison, which basically is a fancy word for saying that is your contact person who has the staff and is going to shepherd you through this process. I want you to spell standardization and liaison. The thing about liaison is when it's spelled correctly, it looks it looks misspelled. odd. It's, it look, it it's looks French, misspelled. right? There's, there's it's L I A I S O N. That's right? correct. There's two I's. Yes, yeah. it's that it's that second I. <laughs> yes, and I don't know any French. I took Spanish, so I'm no help there. Um, Scott, do you have anything to add? Just please get on this. Do it. Yeah, like, I, it's I, so important. I guess what I would say is, look, it's June, okay. It's almost July. It's almost July, and if if your city or town is not uh, working towards this this standardization requirement now, then you need to start immediately. Um, I, I would hope this isn't the first time that our listener has heard about business license tax standardization, uh, but but as we find out, Russell, you know, we're we're gaining new listeners every day, so. Yes. Hopefully, uh, they will. All of these people would have heard at least one time about this, but but get started immediately well, if you if you're not already underway. Yeah, and I I wanted to add I did say that we're here and we're going to help you through the process, specifically the rebalancing process. But there's 234 of you that we're trying to assist through this, and there is a handful of staff members who know that rebalancing process intimately, and so you're going into a queue. And right now it's taking us two to three weeks to get to your city once you enter that queue. So if you wait till the last minute, you're going to be at the bottom. Yeah, and you might miss the deadline. The annual meeting, the Municipal Association's annual meeting is coming up in July, July 22nd to 24th on Hilton Head Island. This is going to be one of the things talked about. Yes, this is a topic on the agenda. And Todd told me the other day that he also is going to have a business license table at annual meeting if you have questions. Any final thoughts? The seven steps. Get familiar with the seven steps. It's shorter than the 12 steps, so it shouldn't be that hard, right? Yes. How, how, <laughs> Hopefully easier than the 12 talk, steps. How, how are we doing? How are our numbers looking, Caitlin, in terms of how many people we've got underway, who are, how many are in the queue, how many are we still struggling to, uh, to gain some yeah. traction with? So if two, the 234, and then there's nine counties out there also that have a business license are we tax. Helping, are we helping them? The, we are helping them with the rebalancing process, Good. but the Association of Counties is wanting to help them with their ordinance yeah, and making sure sense. they're compliant. Sure. Um, so what, what does that leave us at? 243. Is that right? I'm not good at math in public. Yeah. So thereabouts. Um, we have maybe 20-ish that we still have not heard from. The rest of them are either currently working on their data or have finished. Yeah. So we're, pretty, we're in a pretty good place. And as I understand it, there are several particularly really small towns who had maybe just a, a, a flat, biz, they called it a business license tax, but it was just a flat fee, yeah. more, of a, more of a registration than an than a actual business license ordinance. 
and the the revenue that they were collecting from that was so small that they said, you know what, we're just going to repeal if we if they had a business license ordinance on, on the books for this small amount, they're just going to repeal that and and not even worry about complying with the act. Yeah, and I think there's about eight of those, which I don't know off the top of my head those names, but yeah. yes, and they're they're going they're talking about repealing their local license right, tax. Right, and so and, and of course t- talking about repealing. Talk about um, what we're suggesting to everyone. Again, repetition is good, but what we're suggesting when it comes to the point that they need to adopt the the model business license ordinance or a business license ordinance that is compliant with the act. Tell tell folks what we're recommending that they do there. We have a model ordinance, which we basically threw the old model ordinance out the door and completely reconstructed it. We really started from scratch. So whereas before they kind of just adopted the new ordinance and went along their business, now it's, it's brand new. And we're saying we want you to rebalance, repeal, replace. Again, here at the association, we love some alliteration. So rebalance, which I talked about, repeal your old ordinance completely, replace it with this new ordinance. Yeah, don't try to modify your existing ordinance with the new yes, language that's there's in way the too mo- many changes. Too much. That's why we started over internally. Right. right. And this ordinance, we had our attorney on staff here look at it, Eric Scheidel. We talked to, I think, three different outside attorneys. Yeah. Danny Crow was one of them, you know, mm-hmm. Lawrence Flynn, people we consider. Yeah people who know business licensing attorneys that know business licensing. Yep. So we feel confident about it. Um, I should also say it comes, that's <laughs> so different. It comes with essentially a user guide, basically like yeah. it comes with a piece of paper that tells you what's changed, how to read it and all those things. So, and of course that's going to necessitate changes to our business license handbook. Yes. And um, the exam and, and the training. Yeah. It's going to change our uh, business license officials, Training Institute, uh, the associate, the um, accreditation and business licensing credential, and uh, the exam that they that those candidates have to complete and pass before they can get that ABL designation. So uh, there's a lot of changes that we're we're still working on internally here, right? Yes, and we hope to have those done by the spring training, but that might be wishful thinking on my part because we're pretty much all standardization all the time right now. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, our, our business license officials across the state who are members of the Business Licensing Officials Association, they're all very professional people, dedicated. They're keeping their, their ear to the ground on, on all these issues as well. And hopefully, if you're an elected official and you're listening to this, you've already heard from your business licensing officials or, or at least some of your management folks. And uh, pay attention to them and uh, comply with their request to make these changes uh, because I can promise you, and in fact, we're all the, the the business license law Act 176 is already under attack. It's not even in effect, uh, and a bill was filed on the last day of this session uh, last month that would already start to try and make changes to the law. And uh, if we if we don't get this right, yeah, out 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 the gate, then uh, we can look forward to even more attacks on business licensing. Despite the fact that we were hopeful uh, that the passage of this 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 law would uh, would push off some of those things, but we'll we'll deal with it. So let's minimize the potential complaints and opportunities for people to complain, businesses to com- to complain about uh, the administration of the tax. Uh, 
and, and just follow, follow our suggestions and, and, and try and get compliant as easily for you and for them as possible. Very good. What else do you want us to talk about, Russell? We could talk about this all day. <laughs> yes. I was just thinking that. I was it's like, fantastic. maybe we need a podcast where Scott and I just sit here and just like here and, and ramble ruminate. on for hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Scott, Caitlin, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Russell. Always a pleasure. Take care. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.